Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today is the second episode in the new series that I'm doing, which is the Member Spotlight Series, where I take a member of my AT Parenting community, the people that are in my membership community, and they come on and they share their experience about their child, whether they're talking about anxiety or OCD or different other conditions that tend to like to hang out with anxiety or OCD. And today I am honored to introduce you to Sophie. She has been a member of my community from the very beginning. It's been almost a year now, and it has been amazing to watch her daughter and her family grow throughout this year, uh, improve, and just watch Sophie take on a big advocacy kind of role in educating not only her daughter, but the community at large. She's an inspiration to me. And um, you will see why in a minute when you hear her story. And she talks about her daughter's struggles with OCD as far as just getting the initial diagnosis, getting misdiagnosed or incorrectly diagnosed for a lot of years, and then finally honing in on the correct diagnosis and then having a body-focused repetitive behavior issue as well and the evolution of discovering that and how she helped her daughter with her picking disorder. So she covers a lot in this episode and and she is an educated member of the community and just an example of the amazing sampling of parents that we have going on in the AT parenting community that bring a lot of their knowledge to the group and share it. And so I'm doing the the series and it'll always be the first Tuesday of every month. I'm bringing you real parents stories from my community. And I'm hoping that it helps one, make you realize that you're not alone. I think we can learn from other parents. I think a lot of what I offer you in this podcast in general has less to do with my clinical skills and more to do with my mom's skills, to be frank. So I want you to hear other voices of other parents and the things that they've tried and their stories and the things that they've accomplished because of the things that they have done. We need some inspiration in the house, right? (laughs) So that's what this is all about. So without further ado, here is my interview with Sophie. Well, I want to welcome Sophie to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so this is a new series that we're going to be starting, um, and it's so perfect to start with you because I think you have such a a great ability to kind of share your wisdom and spread it out and kind of continue that knowledge. So this new series is all about talking to AT Parenting community members about their experiences and taking one struggle that you've had and talking about the tools or things that you did to apply it with your child and and what the end result was. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about your life. Thank you. So do you want me to introduce myself and then just set the scene? That would be awesome, yeah. Okay. Um, I live in South Africa, um, which I hope people know where it is, but it is the southern tip of Africa. Um, And I live in one of the major cities within the country. Um, My daughter is nine. And she was diagnosed with OCD at age eight, so last year. 
And it was a struggle of four years to actually get an OCD diagnosis. Um, she had been diagnosed with social anxiety at five, but it didn't really fit. Um, she was diagnosed with sensory processing disorder at six, which explains some of the behavior, but not all of it. She had occupational therapy. She had day therapy. Um, and while some things got better, some things just didn't. Um, so she has issues around food. She has issues around sleeping. She has issues around bodily functions, breathing, having to pee a lot, which I know your daughter also has. Oh, yes. Um, about things being just right. And if it's not, then it's a meltdown. Um, so I knew at the back of my mind, like something wasn't right, but I thought she had anxiety. So I've been listening to your podcast by that time for about a year, but skipping the OCD stuff a little bit, <laughs> which I should not have done. <laughs> um, sorry. And then I was listening to one of your podcasts because I listened to it when I dropped the kids off at school. And you were meant talking about just right OCD. And when I had dropped off, uh, off at school, I had parked in a different parking space. And she had a meltdown. And I asked her why. And she was saying, no, it doesn't feel right. And I was thinking, this is what Natasha says. Like, we should, this is an issue. Um, <laughs> That's good that it was like brought to your awareness. It, and then on the way to work, I actually listened to one of your earliest episodes about how OCD manifests in really young kids. And I was like, yes, she does this. Oh, yes, she does this. Yes, she does this. So by the time I got to work, I was like, my daughter has OCD and I didn't realize it. And what am I supposed to do now? So I actually went and uh, talked to her play therapist and she set up an appointment for us with a psychiatrist that she knew. She was diagnosed within the first session. Um, she was put on medication, which we were quite happy about. We had no issues about the medication. Um, and we started seeing results almost within two weeks of wow, her being on the medication. Of, that's kind of incredible, you know, if you think about it. It was, because the psychiatrist had told us it takes at least like two weeks or maybe even four. Sorry, my, I'm getting lots of messages. Um, and we had seen within two weeks. Uh, she was sleeping better. She was able to listen better when we were speaking to and trying to calm her down. And then I started binge listening to all the OCD episodes. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you just think about it, like if people understood OCD more, because I hear that story a lot, you know, people will reach out to me all the time and will say, I had no idea my child had OCD, you know, and I started to like, I just came across something that I put out yes. and then they're like, oh my gosh, these are the symptoms. And it, it's sad that that there's not an understanding of OCD, you know, to the point where people are kind of misled for a while. No, and I had actually spoken to her occupational therapist the year before, even two years before, and just casually dropping it in to a conversation. Like, oh, yes, she's anxious, but could it be OCD? And you know how when you, when you know there's something wrong, but you don't want to say, like, I think there's something wrong. You want someone else to say, yes, I think you're right. Yeah. And the occupational therapist was saying, well, maybe, but no, she doesn't think so. And I went to speak to the school therapist at the beginning of last year because she has a lot of job, um, anxiety around school job. Um, and that school therapist also, I was mentioning like, maybe it could be OCD. And the school mm -hmm. therapist was saying, oh, no, she's much too young. Um, 
um, I seem to be quite an anxious mother, so maybe I'm just projecting. Oh no! I feel the worst. I hate that. I and my favorite is when when staff at school ask say like they don't see anxiety in my daughter. How are things at home? (laughs) You kind of love that. And they're like, things at home are fine. We just so um, I had actually tried reaching out to to a few people very tentatively. but because they are experts and they didn't see the behavior, I thought, well, maybe I'm just imagining things. I think there's two lessons here. I know we're going to get into um, more of one specific issue that, that you targeted, but I feel like even just in your general initial story, there's some really good takeaways here for parents listening. And that is, one, just because a mental health professional or a professional or a school administrator doesn't see OCD does not mean that your gut is wrong there's a lack of information. I would have to say the majority of mental health professionals do not know how to diagnose or spot OCD. And then definitely not your OTs, your PTs, your um, school administrators. So trust your gut. And that, so that was, that's number one. And I don't even know what my number two was, but I think <laughs> getting help because a lot of times those precursors look like anxiety. They do look a lot like anxiety, but you always say in your podcasts and in your lessons and in the AT community as well, the way that you treat anxiety and the way that you treat OCD is different. So what we kept doing was treating her OCD like it was anxiety because people were telling us, oh, she has separation anxiety. Oh, she has generalized anxiety. Um, but the approach didn't work. And then once we got the diagnosis and once I started re re-listening to your podcasts and actually reading up on OCD, I was like, oh, of course they're not working because Natasha has said this is not the way that we should be doing it. Um, and the moment we changed, they were really, you could see the improvement. And that's a good too, because I think that a lot of times people will say to me, and even, even some therapists will say, well, you know, anxiety, OCD, they kind of overlap. Does it really matter which one it is really? And yeah, it completely matters because like you said, you can... You can try and try all the things that would be wonderful for anxiety and you're going to hit a wall and you're going to wonder why am I not making progress? And it's because how you approach OCD is completely different. And it's, I think also it was frustrating for, for my daughter, for Miss Nine, because we were trying all these things and saying like, this will help you like, just focus on your breathing and just imagine this. And, um, like surely no will always come and fetch you at school and, and you know this and just tell your brain not to tell you these things. And none of it was working, which meant that she thought that then there surely must be something wrong with her. Yeah. Because we're saying these things should be working and they're clearly not, they're actually making her feel worse. Right. Um, so there was, there was a time, especially I'd say it's like four or five, four months or so before we got the official diagnosis, that it was really sad because we were all so frustrated and we were all so sure that we knew there was something wrong, but we didn't know where to ask for help. Um, I didn't know what questions even to begin asking. Um, And in South Africa, mental health is talked about a lot because we have mental um, mental health awareness month and all those things. But when it comes to children, they only really focus on ADHD and autism. Yeah, that's um, too bad. OCD is really not on the radar. Maybe they'll mention it somewhere, um, but it's not 
well known that kids can have OCD when they're young, before they're 18. And I had phoned our um, anxiety and depression group. I had emailed professors and all of them told me, your daughter is simply too young to be helped. If she was 16 or 18 or 19, we could give you a list of psychiatrists and psychologists who can help her. But because she's nine, then she was eight, they were saying to me, they simply, they don't have anyone. Oh, but it's so ridiculous because the earlier, the better, you know, the earlier, the better. And, you know, parents can't find, because I, I talk to people from Australia and Canada and there's people in Norway who, who, well, Norway you'd think would be pretty good, but I talk to parents all over the world and I'm hearing that over and over again, that they can't be treated because they're too little. And proactively, the earlier, the better. Like when my kids are like come out of my womb, I'm like, we're going to start working on this, you know, like the sooner, the better. And so I think parentally, like if you can't find resources, it's good to just find them online. You know, don't wait. Don't wait for that official diagnosis. No, and even as recently as this year, when um, she went to her previous psychologist um, appointment, I actually asked the the psychiatrist, I asked the psychiatrist, do you have a psychologist referral for me? And you know what she said? She said to me, you know what? Some psychiatrists feel it's unethical to send children under 10 to a psychologist. because their prefrontal cortex haven't developed yet and it's unethical to treat them. And I was sitting there thinking, no, Natasha specializes. That's crazy. Pediatric, she's she's older. She's in her, I think she's in her her early 70s. So I think she's very much stuck in the way that she does things. Um, But I was quite shocked because I thought if, if I was just a mom who didn't have the AT community, who didn't know about your podcast, who didn't read a lot, I would just think, oh, okay, she's too young. Instead of thinking, no, no, you're talking nonsense and I will not be listening to you. Um, And even my daughter, when we got into the car, my daughter was saying to me like, no, what she was saying isn't like that. That can't be true. Yeah. And I said, no, you know what? We'll use this doctor for your medication because that works for you. And my daughter said like, she doesn't want to stop the medication. It's really Mm -hmm. working for you. And I said, mommy and daddy will find you somebody else who will help you with CBT tools and with ERP. Yeah. Um, but this doctor is just, this is our medicine doctor. <laughs> That's yeah. All and that, that we can use. You do, you have to, you have to kind of steer your own ship, I think with OCD, um, with a yeah. lot of things regarding our kids, but I think with OCD even more so you have to steer your own ship and you have to not wait for someone to come and steer it. Eventually, hopefully you'll find someone to support you, but you don't have to wait. So so we were going to talk about a particular struggle that Miss Nine was having and an approach that you took. So we we're talking yes. about picking something I know way too much about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my daughter um, has dermatillomania, which is also called skin picking or excoriation. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's part of like a larger group of uh, disorders called body-focused repetitive behavior. And it includes nail biting, it includes um, picking your nose obsessively, it includes hair pulling and eating their hair and things like that. But with Miss Nine, she has both, um, she she bites her nails and she's done that since forever. And then she picks the skin off her feet. So particularly around the cuticles of her toes and then the soft part of her heel 
um, the bridge of your foot and then underneath your toes. So really like soft, sensitive parts of the skin. Yeah. Um, and I had picked it up early in the year and, and seen her fiddling with her toes and, um, but didn't really think that it was an issue. And to, because the kids are big, so they go and have their showers on their own. She gets dressed on her own. And honestly, no, when do you ever look at your kids' feet? Yeah, never. <laughs> no, like <laughs> their hands you do, but their feet, when do you ever look at that? Yeah. And she was actually sitting on my husband's lap one evening, and he was like uh, rubbing her feet and rubbing her toes, and then saw that she had begun to pick a scab on her big toe. And it had actually gotten infected. So it was black, black, black. Mm. And then he started like looking at the rest of her feet and seeing, it looked like little flames on the bottom of her feet, like how she had torn the skin off. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I had listened to some of your podcasts and because I'm, I read a lot, I had known about skin picking. So when he showed it to me, I told him, yes, I think this is what she has. So he was like shocked and didn't know what to do. And I was more, no, I think, I think this thing has a name. I think this is what's going on. Um, so like, don't panic because I think there's stuff we can do. Yeah. So what we started doing was simply just telling her, like I told her, I think you have skin picking, um, which means that you compulsively pick. It doesn't mean that you're stressed or anything, but you, it's a compulsion and it's bad because you pick your skin until it bleeds. So germs can come in, you can get infection. It hurts. Um, it doesn't look good. Um, and especially in South Africa, the kids go to school barefoot. I know in in America, um, the kids have to go to school wearing shoes, but in South Africa, (laughs) in South Africa, when you said that in the community and you said that, oh, you know, right now it's going to be hard because she has to go to school barefoot or she gets to go to school barefoot. I was like, yes. how culturally that's so fascinating to me that the kids go to school without shoes. Yeah. And actually it's the, the summer dress code. They state they prefer that the kids go to school barefoot because it's, yeah. it's better for their feet. Um, so she has easy access to her feet in class. Mm-hmm. Because she then told us when I asked her, like, when do you do this and things, she said she mostly picks in class um, when she's finished with a test or when she's getting ready for a test. Um, but when she has a bit of downtime, she picks in class. So what we started doing was immediately just cleaning like her feet, making sure every day we cleaned it. My husband had like a little toothpick and going into the scabs, disinfecting it. Um, putting in on balm, putting plasters on just to allow her skin to heal. So that mm. was the one part. And then the other part that I did was I told her, you know what? Mommy knows that other people do this as well because I've heard of, I've heard of it. I've read of it and I've heard of it on podcasts and things. I will go and find out what they do because my mother always says, if you have a name for what's wrong with you, it means somebody else has had it as well. It means there are treatments. It means other people have tried. So it's actually a good thing to get a diagnosis yeah. because then you can start working on it. I love that perspective. And I, yeah, it makes getting a diagnosis 
a positive experience right um rather than saying oh my goodness my daughter has this thing it's like oh my goodness my daughter has this thing and we can google it and we can right. talk to experts about it yeah so i started reading up on um dermatillomania and then i think it's the the website tlcbfrb um is which, it tlc.org i'll have to look it up yeah it's about that one and they talk about all kind of like trichotillomania they talk about dermatillomania um i started reading up on just what it is and how it works and why you do it because i thought she was doing it because she was anxious but it's a self-soothing type of thing so she actually views it as a very positive thing it makes her feel better um which wasn't a, a a viewpoint that I realized with, with skin picking because I thought it would hurt because it's bleeding and you can see it's in the skin, but she viewed it as something that's calming, something that's soothing, something that's enjoyable. Yeah. And I think, and I'm not ignoring you. I'm looking for this website. as no, we're talking. It's not tlc.org. Don't do that. You're not going to like where you go. Um, it's uh, bfrb.org is the TLC yes. foundation. So I just want to make sure I yes. got the right resource in here. But yeah, I think you're bringing up some really good things because um, one, I, first of all, on a side note, I love your view of diagnoses because I think so many times parents view that as like the last step, like the step of death, like the nail in the coffin. Now my child has a, another diagnosis. And it's so not true because I, you're so accurate when you say, if it has a name, it can be Googled and other people are struggling with it. And so there's mm -hmm. probably research and there's approaches that you can try. So I do love that. And I think with, with picking, people don't realize that it is different than the compulsions that you see with OCD, even though it's a very common comorbid condition. So a lot of the stuff you're bringing out, it's not like Mrs. Nine, or she's not married, Miss Nine has um, <laughs> a million different disorders. It's like they tend to hang out together. It's the sensory component, the anxiety, the separation anxiety, the OCD, and um BFRBs, the body focused repetitive behaviors, they're all very much, you know, kind of hanging out together like best friends. So, yeah, they're cousins. They're all cousins. They are. And so, you know, you may not be related to some of them, but some of them are in your family and they're going to hang out. So, mm -hmm. and, but the compulsion is totally different. So, I just want to highlight what you were saying because I think it's a good point to just focus on for just a second is um, a lot of times people people approach BFRBs as similar compulsions as OCD. And I think it's really important what you said is there's relief in it and there it's soothing. So that's completely different because when you have an OCD compulsion, you're, you're doing it to get some brief relief, but you're never, the OCD is never satiated. And so you don't like doing the compulsions, but you, you're doing it. It's a means to an end. Maybe I'll feel a little bit of relief, but I'm not. So now I'm going to have to do it more. We're picking. And I know as a picker myself, that mm. very, it's very relaxing. And so it's almost more of an addictive thing. It's, it feels really hard to stop. So I just wanted to highlight that. Um, and it's true because she was asking us like, why should she stop? And we said, but look at, look at the state of your skin. Um, germs are coming in and with her, she was peeling off the skin and then eating it. Yeah. And that's a common Which, one too, that I think parents are kind of embarrassed by. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with hair pulling, you know, they, they eat the cuticle sometimes or they save it, but it can be really bad. It could be a medical issue. Digestion. Yes. Wise. So, so I was, I was trying to tell her that, um, it is an issue because 
your skin gets infected. So it can become a medical issue. If it was just you rubbing your skin or whatever, and there was no sign of it afterwards, then it would be fine. Then it's just something that you do, but you are harming your body. It's not self harm at all. But because you are tearing your skin, because you are tearing your nails, infection can come in. Um, it doesn't look good. So kids can start teasing you. Yeah. Which, I mean, she's going into, I think she's going to into like in America, you call it middle school. Mm-hmm. It's grade four next year. And kids can be mean. They can be very so, mean. So if, if you can minimize the things that your kid can be teased about, I feel that's, and like I said, because her feet is on display, my kids only wear shoes to school June to August because that's the the peak winter times, and it's because they have to wear school shoes. It's the yeah. school rules. Gosh, some kids have three issues. They would love living in South Africa. <laughs> like, sign <laughs> me up, get me on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I first explained to her like why we need to to look at it, and then. The following day, I started reading up on it. There's also a really nice website, um, Picking Me Foundation, mm-hmm. yep. um, which is a great help because they focus just on skin picking. Yeah, and she's great. The, the, let me just find that one, Picking Me, just so we can get the right one. Um, yeah, the founder of that foundation is awesome, and I have to find it. But you go on. Um. So what helped me was reading. I went to that specific website to read what so pickers um, pickingme.org, just so that we all yeah. get, you know, and she's fantastic. I've, um, I heard her talk at the OCD. Actually, she was on the same panel as me. We were on a panel together for, um, for picking and pulling. I think it was, I don't think it was just picking. It was just BFRBs. No, I, I wonder if it was just picking. I can't remember, but yeah, her story is just amazing to hear. No, she does really phenomenal work. And I thought it doesn't help if I think of things that would help me because I don't skin pick. I bite my nails, but I don't skin pick. So reading the testimonials and the things on her website and on her Instagram and on her Facebook page really helped me to see what works for people who pick. Yeah. Um, And then because I am an academic librarian, so I'm a bit of a nerd. That's good. I made a... I made a list of like all the things that people listed as fidgets because it seemed to be that what everybody was saying is you need to keep your fingers busy. You need to replace the action of pulling and the action of picking with doing something else with your fingers. So I made a list of all the fidgets that they mentioned. And then it's going to sound so nerdy. Then I actually went on to like, to like YouTube and watched review videos fidget review videos nerdy it's really I mean it's a tool that's going to help so because people were saying like maybe they were saying um silly putty would work um and then I would watch a video where somebody was reviewing silly putty and then they would say oh this is really nice because it stretches and that made me think okay if I get her something that stretches maybe it will satisfy that urge that she has for picking underneath her heel where you stretch the skin yeah um so we got, I got some silly putty. I got um, this weird little rubber string that stretches for a thousand times its length. Yeah. Because I thought that would also, like, you can stretch it, like, the mm-hmm. way that she would stretch the skin. Um, and then I also talked to her about, okay, we need to get you something that works in class. Because 
it doesn't help. A lot of people were saying, oh, tangles help and stress balls help and fidget cubes help and all of those things. But she won't be able to use it in class because it either makes a noise, it has a light, um, it looks like a toy, yeah. so it's distracting. Right. So I specifically looked for something that we could, that would be small and that she could use, uh, what is the English? Is it unobtrusively? Yes. Indiscreetly, yeah. Um, so that it wouldn't be as obvious to the rest of the class because um, in our school system, the kids share a table. So mm-hmm. um, you can, if you're lucky, you can sit alone at a desk, but usually there's someone sitting next to you. So we got, I got her a, like a little tin that she said would fit into her pencil case. And then we filled that with silly putty because she said she liked the way that that felt. I showed her the little rubber stringy thing. She said that really she liked, she loved that. So we put that in the little tin and then I put some plasters in as well. Because I thought if you do pick, because picking doesn't, it's not something that you stop doing. Right. It's something that you replace the behavior with something else. So you are going to, I don't want to say relapse, but you are going to pick. Yeah. And I didn't want to to have her think, oh, we're going to get you all these fidgets and then you're never going to pick again. And then when she does pick, she feels like a failure because we had said, oh, she's going to stop. These things will help her stop. Yeah. I wanted her to realize that these things is for when you realize you're picking and then you can make the conscious decision to do something else. Yeah. And then, oh, you see your toes are bleeding and then you have plasters and you can put it on. So plasters are band-aids for those in America who oh, don't. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I mean, I know, but there might be people out there who are like, plasters? Was she going to plaster her foot? <laughs> and I mean, she's never used the plasters. She's never used them at all. I pick her up from school, her toes are bleeding. I'm like, wait, did you not use your plasters? And she'll be like, oh, I forgot that I had them. And but then you're I'll training her. You're like training her over time, yeah. which is good. Um, so we did that. And then she actually also came, which I thought was really nice. And I was surprised. She said to me, she's also been thinking about it throughout the day at school, about when she picks and why she picks and how she feels. And she told me that she likes to suck the skin that she picks. She says that's actually the soothing part. So if we could get her teacher to allow her to actually suck on something, mm-hmm. she said she, she thinks that would actually help a lot. And I was so proud of her for coming up with the solution. I mean, she's nine. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and in our country, we have a meat delicacy, I think you should would call it, called biltong, which the closest equivalent in America would be beef jerky. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's a, um, dried uh, pieces of meat. But I think in America, the beef jerky is I don't know if you do you cut it or is it just long strings? It's long thick strings, typically. Okay. So in in South Africa, we actually cut it into smaller slices, and depending on how long you've let it hang up, this is I'm t- giving you a, a, a lesson in Biltong. But depending <laughs> on how long you've actually ate the meat, the inside will be softer, chewier, or harder and more salty. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she actually, she prefers the softer ones because she says it tastes more like skin, which is yeah. gross, but useful. Yeah. And you know what? I think this is something that 
a lot of times kids will not disclose, but it's a common part of BFRBs, like what they do with the things they're picking or pulling. So um, it's not her. I just think it's great that you've kind of fostered this environment where she feels comfortable enough to share it with you so that you can think of a replacement behavior. I was very proud of her. And she actually made like a little hierarchy because she was telling me her first, um, like the first prize would be if she was allowed to have Biltong in her shirt pocket, because then she could just like take a little piece out. And so, and she sucks on like one piece for half an hour. So it's not that she's yeah. continuously eating food. Um, she said, but if that doesn't work, there are the, we have these small hard pink candies um, called angel kisses um, that she loves and that she also sucks on. She, so she was telling me like, if you can't get Biltong, then you can get me angel kisses. And she was saying, but if you can't get me angel kisses, we have some other candies, um, which I think might also be in America because it's imported from Germany. Um, I think it's Harvard or Heber that makes it. It's cherries, like, um, jelly cherries. Okay. It looks like cherries and it tastes like cherries, but she sucks on those things forever as well. So she actually, I was so proud of her. She actually had like a little hierarchy of this thing will help me the most, but if not, then this thing will help me. And if not, then this thing will help me. Yeah. Which made it easy her. for me. Yeah. And you're teaching but her it, how to, how to think of problems, you know, like. But it, it also made it easier for me because I mean, I have to pack school lunches and you have to make sure that whatever goes into the school lunch, because um, in South Africa, the kids don't have get lunch at school. They actually bring a lunchbox from home. So, and I have two kids that eat the same things. So they tend to eat, eat each other's lunchbox items. Mm-hmm. So for me to have like three options to choose from also made it easier because if her brother had ate all the biltong, but we had angel kisses, then I can put that in. Or right. if her father then all the angel kisses, then at least I could <laughs> put like a third option in. Yeah. So more flexibility. Yeah. So, so we decided that actually, and then the following day I sent an email to the teacher who has been wonderful this whole year. She's been really um, very supportive. She's eager to learn about OCD. She's, she's been really just wonderful. That's great. And I explained to her, I said, oh, you know what? We have a new thing now that I need to tell you about. We have dermatillomania. This is basically what it is. Um, this is why it's, it's distracting in class because when she picks, she doesn't listen. So she will miss an instruction or she will miss hearing something important and maybe not putting it on a test or maybe not filling in the thing correctly or doing the, the work that they have to do correctly. And then you think she can't do it, but you know it's what's actually, great about, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You know, what's great about that though, is when you go and you speak to the school, it's so important to do what you did to like link the behavior and how it's impacting the school environment. I think a lot of times parents miss that gap because they don't think to do that because all they're going to hear or want to know is how is this impacting the school environment? So you made it so relevant to them, which is awesome. I've, I've been doing, I have teachers in my family, both high school and primary school and kindergarten. And that's basically all they want to know. They want to know, okay, so there's something wrong with your child. How does this affect me in class? So telling them about infections and all, they don't care. They just right. want to know how. So I thought that would be the best way to tell her, this is why you need to help us. And it was this very positive email about how 
you as the teacher can help us as the parents help my daughter to be like the best that she can be. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. It should be inspiring and not, you know, coming from a place of, you know, this is what you need to do. Yeah. So I said, so as a team, my husband and I, this is what we're doing from home. We have this picking kit. We are disinfecting her feet. We are putting on plasters and all of those things, but we need your help in class. And the reason why we needed her help is we needed permission for her to actually have the fidgets, have the little piece of string, have the silly putty and be allowed to use it without asking. Yeah. Um, and also eating the, the kids in, in the South African schools, they're not allowed to eat in class. They're not allowed to eat chewing gum or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we needed the permission and it was actually really good. She, she answered immediately. She said, it's, it's completely fine. It's wonderful. Thank you for telling her and she'll keep an eye on it. And the very next day, my daughter came home and she said, one of the kids in class was, um, saw her playing with the putty and then was going, miss, 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 you know, miss nine has a toy in, in, in class. And then the teacher was saying to them, she does, she's allowed to have it, you know, end of discussion. And this happened in the, in the first week, it happened twice. And it, it upset my daughter because she's deathly afraid of getting in trouble at school, which I think is also sometimes part of, of OCD as yeah. well. So because she has a little touch of moral OCD with that. Um, and it actually made my daughter, it reassured her that I said, no, I sent an email to the teacher. Here you can read her answer. You have permission in class. Um, and my daughter was telling me that the teacher's patience with the other kids gradually got less and less and less. Until now, nobody is even allowed to point it out because she said she is allowed to have it. You know, this, what other people do has nothing to do with you. You keep your eye on your own work. Yeah, great teacher. And I thought, yeah, I, I'm very grateful. Um, so that's what we did for school. And it really, really helped. I have to say it really helps if I'm for some reason unable to get any of the, um, the stuff, the bultong or the angel kisses or whatever, she will actually remind me and say, mommy, you need to pack it in again because I'm starting to pick it in class again. Um, if the putty becomes yucky because, I mean, they play with it with dirty hands and stuff, she'll come home and say, we need to replace my putty. Um, which yeah. shows me that she's using, she's using the tools. Oh yeah, that she's totally in charge of what she's doing. And then it's great. at home, I saw that she actually picks during story time at bedtime, because we have a, a tradition. I have a younger son, so we pick a story that he wants to read or that I read to him, and then my daughter tells us bedtime stories because she's just brilliant with bedtime stories. Oh, I like that. She has character voices and they have like backstories and she does it in English, which is our second language, but she loves it. But I saw then that, and she has a blanket that she's wrapped in and then her hand goes down to her feet mm-hmm. and then she starts picking and she doesn't even realize it because I will tell her like, sweetheart, um, stop picking your, your toes. And she'll, while she's doing it, she'll say, I'm not picking my toes. Yeah. It's and, so automatic. Yeah. So I actually then thought, oh, no, it doesn't just help us helping her at school. We need to also get something at home. So at home, I have a bigger uh, skin picking kit, and we call it her picking kit, mm-hmm. which has a tangle in, you know, those yeah. uh, tangles. She loves it. She, it has the tangle in, 
it has a bigger piece of putty that changes color mm-hmm. that you can use. It has a spiky stress ball that used to be a squeaker ball, but I took the squeaker out because mm-hmm. it's squeakish or just from hell. Yeah. Uh, I have that. She has a little, just the normal fidget spinner, which she sometimes uses. Um, recently, I bought her some extra things for her picking kit as well, which was just a little mesh bag with a marble in it. Mm-hmm. And the mesh bag is stretchy. Boinks? And you can, I think they're called boinks. I think, yeah, yes. She loves it. It's the best. Yeah, it's that's the best. If your, kid, if your kid has skin picking, get them one of those. It's yeah. just, it's wonderful. Um, and now what we do when we start story time and I see her hand going on, I don't say like, stop picking or what. I just say, sweetie, do you think you should get something from your kit? Yeah, I love and that. And nine times out of 10, she'll say, yes, I do. And then I'll say, okay, we'll wait for you. And then she goes and fetches whatever she, she needs. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. And then when she's telling us the story, you can see her fingers just constantly playing with it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to say last year, where I would say, like, leave your toes alone or stop picking. And and it doesn't help because she can't help. So I found us knowing that it's dermatillomania, how it works, made me more kind towards her and treat her with more kindness, which yeah. I think is, is also an important thing. Kids react better when you come from a loving, kind point of view as opposed to uh, don't do that stop doing that if because she she doesn't even realize that she's doing it yeah um, I mean a lot of times it's on automatic and I think that's one of the first things that I learned from Anila from habit aware like when I talked to her um in that podcast about BFRBs was not not to point it out and I had been doing that with my daughter and the minute I shifted please. and started to do what you're talking about it got so much better because saying don't do that or getting frustrated or saying, oh, that's gross or stop. It tends to increase the behavior instead of giving them the tools, you know, like with your daughter, like giving her the tools and giving her the wiggle room to develop her own plan and use what you're giving her is so much more effective. And actually now when we, when we go on holiday or if we go to stay with my parents who live in, in another town, my daughter will actually tell me, oh, mom, you must help me remember my kids. The, the yeah. one that we have at home. Yeah, um, she's really owning it. Which is good for me because it means that she is recognizing that this helps me and when I need to use it, which is something that, I mean, I bit my nails from the age of three and I was just told constantly to stop doing it and I'm 40 and I have not stopped doing yeah. it. it when people just tell you to stop, it doesn't, I know I crack my bones. I think it's actually a BFRB because it's like, I'll crack them to the point where I'm hurting my joints. And, you know, I, for a little while I told my husband I was going to work on it. And he started to say like, Oh, you're doing it again or stop. And I was just like, okay, you need to not ever do that to me. <laughs> because it's, it's so, so annoying. annoying. I'm like <laughs> I, will, I want this to be my own internal battle. Like you, you were not part of this. So, well, you know, it sounds, it's just great advice that you gave today. Um, I appreciate one talking about looking at bigger pictures and looking at diagnoses in a more positive way. And then I think it was really good for people to hear how you handle picking. Um, Dermatillomania is not discussed nearly as much as it should be. So I think this is great to, and I need to do another podcast episode on it down the road to, to really highlight 
picking because I don't think it gives it the attention that it deserves because it's, it's a, it can be a really debilitating thing to have. So and it sounds like your daughter is doing much better with that. She's got all the tools. So that's awesome. Yeah. No, this is definitely a, a success. We have other struggles that we're working on, but this is a success story and you can build on successes so we can use her awareness of her skin picking and knowing what to do to build on other OCD themes that she has, yep. which I think is important for her to know, oh, I'm able to manage this. So I can also manage this other thing. Yeah. I love that. So, it's so true. People build on their successes. So every win is another notch, you know, as they're climbing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was so good talking to you. No, thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. And like you said, dermatillomania is not spoken of often. Um, and there has to be other kids who also do this and other moms who are thinking, why are you doing this? And how can we help? Yeah. And, and there is lots that you can do. And there is really, there's, more, there's so much resources for you once you know what it is. Yep, I agree. And we're doing our part. You did your part today. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks, Natasha. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sophie. Um, I always learn something from her, either in the community or whenever I talk to her. I always think that she has really good insight and takeaways, and she's super creative and very tapped into the research and the approaches that are happening in the OCD community. So we did reference a couple of things. So just to remind you, um, if you want further information or resources on any body-focused repetitive behavior, I definitely recommend bfrb.org. And also, if you have a child who is picking, you could go to pickingme.org. That's picking, P-I-C-K-I-N-G, me.org. And those are two really good places to start. If you're dealing with OCD, it's obviously always really good to go to the International OCD Foundation's website at iocdf.org. So there's a lot of orgs right there. If you want to hear more about this, I do have some other episodes. Um, I interviewed Anila from Habit Aware, and Habit Aware is a very cool bracelet that helps bring about awareness for body-focused repetitive behaviors, and it's something that I recommend in my practice. It's something I've used with my own daughter when she had some major picking issues, and I can't remember if I've had... I don't think I've done any other podcasts on just picking, but it would be a good podcast to do just another episode on pure picking and talk about kind of my own struggles and my daughter's struggles, because we have had a lot of picking issues in the Daniels household. So, but I would recommend listening to my interview with Anila and Ellen from Habit Aware, and that was episode 62. I will leave a link in the show notes. Um, I also have a YouTube video on, um, on children who pull hair or pick skin. And it's a video YouTube video that's directly for, for the kids. And so I will link that up again in the show notes. That's on my YouTube channel. And yeah, I think that was it. So I want to thank again, Sophie for coming on. And I want to thank all the AT parenting community members who are coming on and being vulnerable, sharing their story so that you can feel less alone. So that's pretty amazing. 
So if you are enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes to show your support. And if you have a few extra seconds, if you can leave a review and let other parents know what you're getting from this show, they would greatly appreciate it. I would greatly appreciate it. So I hope that you find a sparkle in everything you do, and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.